Welcome back to Trot's Life and a chat I've been looking forward to, and it'll probably go in a, a few different areas to what he's expecting is with Daryl Poxon. Daryl, firstly, mate, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, yeah, I'm good, thanks, Toby. Um, I'm at home at the moment. Um, I spent about three hours at Alabar this morning and then I come home to the farm to, um, yeah, tackle some other jobs uh, and then catch up with you. Ah, very good. So tell us a bit about Alabar. What do you do there? Um, I've been there probably permanent part-time for about 11 years and um, yeah. I basically look after the stallions and just keep them in good order and feed them and clean the yards out and um, then get everything prepared for collection during stud season. So, yeah, look, even though it's part-time, it, it's still pretty full-on. So the shuttle stallions, are they still there or have they gone home? Yeah, they left yesterday morning, actually. Oh, yeah. uh, the four of them, there was always be Mickey, Pebble Beach, uh, Better's Wish and Captain Crunch. Uh, yeah, they got loaded on the truck uh, about 7.30, 8 o'clock yesterday morning. And, uh, yeah, they'll be on their way back to the States. It must that must be an amazing role with those eleven stallions. Like you, you get I get the impression there'd be a variety of personalities amongst them, if that makes sense. Some really easy to handle, and others might be little buggers. Yeah, very very much so. Um, look, I will admit the group we've got there at the moment in my time at Alabar is probably good a group as we've ever had. Yeah. Um, there's none that of what you would say is untoward in any way um mm. there's some you know that have got absolute just beautiful temperaments um some you know like you you've got to learn their traits put it that way which you obviously have over 11 years and have any been there the whole time i'm just racking my brain there wouldn't have been any there for the last 11 years would there yeah well prob- well uh, definitely art major yeah. Um, he's been there since I've been there, but, you know, I've seen the likes of Courage Under Fire, you know, grin from ear to ear, safely kept, you know, Village Jasper, those early ones. And then there's been others, you know, that have shuttled out like Better Than Cheddar, Shadow Play, you know, there's been any number of them that have sort of come and gone. Um, You know, there's always some standouts there or ones you're sort of cotton on to more than others for whatever reason, but... Like I said, I think the bunch that's there at the moment, um, I think quality-wise, they're, they're probably as good as ever been at Alabar. And, um, you know, they've all they've all got their own little ways. But in saying that, they're all very um, tractable and, you know, quite good to handle. Uh, unfortunately for my son, right, they, you take one look at him and you just know he's my boy. Is Do you ever look at an art major and say, God, he looks like his dad and he acts like his dad and he's got the mannerisms of his dad? Well, funny you should say that. Now, art major's got two sons yeah. there that, you yeah. know, I look after as well in Vincent and Ride High. Yeah. Um, if anyone's looking for a stallion with a temperament, that is just second to none. You you wouldn't go past Vincent. He he is just quite unbelievable. The fact that he's a stallion and his type of temperament. Yeah. Um. He's you know he's just just one of those things you you can mould to very easily. Um. Ride high's pre- pretty much in the same mould, but like being you know in his first or second year, he he's learnt the trait pretty quickly. Um. He he's great to handle. Also, um, he, his temperament is is very good for a young stallion. 
Um, so, yeah, look, you know, they do mould to a degree like their father, um, but there are little different traits as well. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. what what about another avenue of your life is breeding and you do a little bit of training. Like, I, I don't know where Cobber Mac fits in with it all. Do you still own Cobber <laughs> Mac? Yeah, we, we still own him. Um, I broke him in and initially got him going, but he was the type of horse that he just had to have company. And, and when you work horses by yourself, it's it's just not practical to try and push a horse that just won't have a go by himself. But as soon as you put him with another horse, he he finds finds a, a lot more. And so with that in mind, um, yeah, we leased him out to a local fella in town called Fred McKenna. And, look, Fred's, oh, he'd be 87 or 8 now. And he's, he's just had a ball with him. He's, he's had, I think, close to 100 starts. And he's won seven and probably about 30 or 40 placings. And... I know he's earned over fifty thousand. So look, Fred's had a had an absolute ball with him. Um, actually, he'd gone thirty odd years, and Fred hadn't had a winner, and then then Mac turned up. So yeah, you can imagine he'd be pretty pretty chuffed about it all. You might never get him back at all. <laughs> no, look, I I've got a few out here that you know during the off season from Alabar. Um, even though I still go to Alabar, I've got enough time to. You know, play around with a couple, and yeah, that's pretty much where it sits. Breeding and training can send you dotty, you know. Sorry, Bre- breeding horses can send you dotty. Uh, yeah, that is that is a fact. Um, <laughs> look, it's a yeah, it's a funny game, isn't it? Um, I don't need to tell anybody, you know, what's involved with breeding. Um, you know, it, it, you can you can have your good times and you can have your times where mares mightn't get involved for whatever reason. They, they get frustrated and then some of their progeny create issues. So, look, it's all part of the game, isn't it? The the Dotty reference for those uh, wouldn't know. There's a mare called Dotty Hinson that you've got and I see one trialled out of Dotty Hinson not that long ago. What's the story there? Yeah, well, look... We've run into one problem with another with her progeny. Um, like she, she was a top little mare, and um, she actually ran second in the Vic Red Final for two-year-old trotters. And then some years down the track, I just happened to be looking through the horse trader, and blow me down, she was for sale. And my wife had always cottoned on to the name Dotty Hinson, and yeah. I contacted uh, a guy called Wayne Dimmick, who was up. Up, he oh, he could be at Manango or wherever, and um, yeah, he had a for sale. And uh, look, we we bought her for not a lot of money. Um, all the foals she's had so far, while they haven't produced it at the races, they've all broken down through totally different reasons. Mm. And um, a couple of them, well, one especially, we had a, a majestic son gelding that um, he was going to be something special, but he badly tore ligaments in his back and he, he never really came back from it. So, look, this is all part of it. Um, I've still got a couple of her progeny here that we're playing around with. Um, so, yeah, look, there's still hope. There's still hope. We, we're, we're sort of just getting a bit of a feel for your commitment to harness racing here. Now, the Bort Trotting Club, there was a book a few years ago now called First Past the Post. Tell us a bit about that book, the <laughs> That uh, was highly commended by uh, by the Coulter Awards too, I believe. 
Yeah, well, actually, there's actually two books. Um, The one you're referring to is the second book. Oh, yep. Um, The first book came out in 1991, and I I was president of the board club at the time. And a few years earlier, uh, it came to my attention that the board club was going to become 100 years old in 1991. Now... Uh, the board club initiated in 1891, and, and they never ever shut down. Um, so we claim the title, which we know is pretty right. They never shut down, and from 1891 to 1991. Um, and while there may have been clubs that started earlier, they tended to fold or for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But board stayed intact. So. I put it to the committee at the time that, you know, we might look into the history and and see what turns up. Well, that much turned up that we felt, you know, there there was a book in it. And that's how that came about. And then what transpired down the track, um, John Campbell was, had taken over the presidency and look, it was about 2012-13. He put to me, what say we do another book? There's been a fair bit happening and what have you. So, uh, the next one, next chapter came into being and, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to to um, win some sort of award with it, which, um, look, at, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a big thing for the club. Um, oh, that's the way I look at it. And, and John Campbell, the photos of him at that first meeting in 1891, he doesn't look like he's aged a day since then. <laughs> no, um, look, John. John's just been an absolute revelation for the board club. Um, you may be aware or may not be aware he has stepped down as chairman president now, but um, I'm sure he's not. He, I'm sure he's not going to be too far away. And uh, <laughs> look, he's done an absolute just ripper of a job for the board club. And look, we can go back to when V3 first initiated and look really without John's input and um, just passion for keeping these small clubs open, um, they may not be in the position they are now. Tell us about the Bill Poxon Memorial Gunbower Trotters Cup. Now, I'd imagine there has to be a connection, doesn't there? There is, Toby. It's a distant one. Um, What it is, uh, my great-grandfather and Bill's grandfather were brothers. Okay. So it's it's a fair way back, but look, um, I got to know Bill very well through the 80s when I was uh, president of the board club and tied up with committees and what have you, and Bill was president of the gun bear and... Um, look, you'd never never meet a nicer bloke than what Bill Poxon was. And, um, like, he was president of Gunbauer for 36 years. And um, no no wonder they've seen fit to, you know, continue and have a, a trotting race named after him in his honour. So Gunbauer's coming up on Sunday to their 100-year anniversary and you've been back at it, mate. Yeah, I... Um, it, it stemmed firstly, uh, John Campbell happened to be talking to Roger Brereton, the president of Gunbear. Um, this We're going back about two years ago now, and Roger mentioned to him that our centenary's coming up in a couple of years' time, and he said, geez, it'd be good to have a book about it. Yeah. Well, John, John passed it on to me a couple of days later, and uh, what transpired then... Well, uh, my wife and I were at the board cup meeting and next thing I see these two gentlemen coming up to me and it was Roger Brereton and Peter O'Shea, the 
secretary yeah. gun bear and of course i had a fair idea what they were coming to see me about and look to be honest you know i was i was ha- I, I always said i wouldn't do another one but um i felt the the way roger was talking about it there was a story there and um what's turned up since i started getting into it uh there's not only a story there there's just a history that just had to be told so so where do you start with that you know you, i've got a picture i've got a scene out of a movie almost you know where you see someone in a library going through all old clippings etc yeah um look things evolved a little bit from when i did the first book for bought um <laughs> the internet yeah like as in trying to trace things and all that like back then my only really avenues, um, especially in the early days, because well, let's face it, all the people have died. Um, you're relying on family members, maybe one or two or three generations down the track. But what I was able to ascertain back in those days, like we're talking the mid 80s, um, the Historical Society in Bort had a lot of microfilm with old newspapers on it. Yeah. And the local newspaper of the day, uh, the Bort Standard, the owner still had a lot of old newspapers. So that was probably my first port of call. And that, look, I found a lot of information out of that. Then I was able to trace family members, you know, down the track and, and get stories that way. Um, it Look, it was a massive haul back then. Whereas nowadays, with computers and websites and what have you, that sort of thing, while it still is very time-consuming, it's a lot easier and you can do it at home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's... Look, put it this way, Roger, as far as the book that's going to be released uh, next Sunday, uh, Roger's been a massive help because not having lived in the area... um, he gave me names of people I should see, you know, this type of thing. And it did make things a hell of a lot easier. But time-wise, you know, look, probably for about 14 to 16 months, probably seven days a week, I was in my office probably for, oh, you know, anything from five to six hours every evening, just trying to firstly research, then contact people via phone, email, whatever, get stories off them, then start writing it, then you'd go back and edit it. it it's, yeah, it, it's, it's a big call. So, so, so you'd sit down with these grandsons, granddaughters, et cetera, and ver- just record an interview with them, would you? And then Pretty, pretty yeah. much, yeah. Um, some of them will give you, um, like there might be old newspaper clippings. Yeah. Uh, we've gathered quite a, an array of magnificent old photos, especially. Um, some of them, you know, when you actually see them, they'll just blow you away, you know, the quality of them and the type of photos they are. Um, some of them are of some of the old horses winning. Some of them are, you know, just the owner who was a gun bear identity standing holding the horse. Um, but, you know, they, these some of these photos go back to the early 1920s and even earlier. So um, I think that adds to the, you know, the, um, the nostalgia of, of a club becoming 100 years old. Are you going to do another one? <laughs> look, uh, my wife tells me no. <laughs> but look, at this stage, no, I, I don't think I would, Toby. But, um, you know, there are stories that sometimes do need to be told. And uh, it's not until you start delving into club history that these stories surface. 
Yeah, I understand that. And this is probably one I did want to tell because it's a huge effort from your behalf to do this. And I'm not sure the sign-on fee was quite what Stephen King is getting for his next book, for, for this book. And <laughs> Cover, Co- Cover Max had four starts at Gumbauer and hasn't won a race there. So I'm not sure he'll feature in it yet. But uh... No, no. Well, actually, he's, he's, he's had a spell for a couple of months and uh, actually Fred, the trainer, just come out and picked him up a few days ago. So, um, yeah, he'll be a little bit off, but uh, actually, the, there is an interesting story to Gunbear, and I'll, I'll relate this one. Yeah. Uh, I won the first race at Gunbear as an owner, and um, who was the horse? It was a horse called Gandara King back in nineteen. Okay. You remember the name, do you? Yeah, there's something about the name. Yeah. Yeah. It, look, uh, a good mate of mine and one of my best friends, uh, Gary Kogel, we were part owners in him, and um, Gary trained and drove him, and. He ended up winning 11 from 70-odd starts. And, look, we were lucky enough to win an MO at Mooney Valley with him. And, um, look, he, he was – we had a lot of fun with him, put it that way. Yeah, Gary trained another horse for you too, didn't he, that won a few races? Yeah, um, Gandara Cop- Gold was another one. Um, he won 11 of 36 before breaking down. Um, yeah, he he was on the way too. Um, he was a muckily strike horse and um, – yeah, he had his fair share of ability, but uh, he developed bad laminitis, and in the finish, it, it just sort of cooked him. Yeah, what was the Gendara reference about? Um, pretty it... much, it sort of contained both our names, Gary and Daryl. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, <laughs> and that, um, that's how that came about. Like we, we, we had quite a good run, sort of through the you know late eighties, early nineties, um, with. You know those, you know those, those two horses I mentioned. Like they won 22 races between them. So uh, when you're just a small hobby owner, <laughs> trainer, whatever, that's we reckon that was pretty good. So in 1991, Gendara King won at Yarra Valley and beat a horse called Champion Thirst, who was owned by my father. So when that name, fact, yeah. Yeah, when that name, I, I do recall that. I, if I remember <laughs> rightly. Uh, I think there was nearly three horses went across the line pretty close together. And I know, well, Gandara King, I think he sat in the death for most of the way. Yeah, and, yeah, Champion Thirst and Pops the Light and Gandara King. Jim O'Sullivan and Ted Demler were the two. That's um, correct. Yeah, yeah so. I do I do recall that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, actually, well, 1991 was a good year for, well, Lyndon, as we used to call him, because he was by Lyndon Bye-Bye. Um, he started off as a like a just a C1 I think and he he found his way through to a like a C8 C9 and um you know won an MO at Mooney Valley and that all happened over the space of you know maybe 6 to 7 months so, so he, he sort of went from you know he he just sort of grew in stature so in when when he won that MO it was the last race on the card at it was 10:55 a.m. what time did you get home that night <laughs> um Look, I'm not. I don't know whether I even stayed the night down there. I we probably <laughs> did come home, but I, to be honest, I don't really remember. But um, look, we well, Gary always thought he'd be very hard to beat that night, and uh, he sat in the death for the whole race that night, and and um, yeah, just proved too strong for them. And look, when when you have your first runner at Mooney Valley, let alone win it, um, like for us little country fellows, that's that's a massive massive thing. It certainly would have been. And 
what is massive as well is what you've done for harness racing, for Bort as a president, writing books, and now for Gumbauer as well. Daryl, you're a, you're a star and was great to have you on and share a bit of your journey, a bit of your story. And, and on behalf of the harness racing industry, we thank you for what you've done and in writing the book for the Gumbauer Club. Yeah, thank you, Toby. Um, yeah, look, it's, I suppose we all get passions and what have you, you know, at some stage in our lives. and. Um, my first introduction to trotting started in the probably early 1970s. I um, I was born and raised in Bort, but I, I spent about three or four years in Melbourne. And during that time, a friend of mine um, used to go to the showground trots, and I tagged along with him one night. And mm. it was sort of an era when you saw Hondo Grattan and Paleface Adios and Gallagher and Welcome Advice, Reichman, you know, these type of horses. And for some reason, it just stuck with me. Once it's in, it doesn't get out, does it? No, it's a bit like that. So um, <laughs> but anyway, um, look, I, yeah, I thank you for your kind words. Um, hopefully uh, a lot of people will get to Gunbear on Sunday and, you know, help help the club celebrate the centenary. And, uh, yeah, if they feel obligated, well, or they'd like to, there'll be a book there for them to, to read and, you know, catch up on Gunbear's history. Daryl, thank you so much, mate. Thanks for joining us on Trots Life. Yeah, good on you. Thanks, Toby.